Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Nuffield Australia awards scholarships each year to farmers in Australia. The organisation's objective is to increase practical farming, knowledge, techniques and management skills for industry. Here at Sheep Connect New South Wales, we have a similar focus. We are privileged to rely on a diverse group of farmers to advise us on key issues in their area from across New South Wales to help us improve the flow of information to farmers that is relevant, timely and credible. This group of passionate and focused farmers are our producer advisory panel. Our PAP, as we like to call them, are a talented group of farmers, three of which are Nuffield Scholars. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by a group of Nuffield Scholars and a representative from AWI to talk about the Nuffield program and the benefits it delivers to our industry. I'd first like to invite Jodie Redcliffe to the podcast. Jodie Redcliffe is a 2013 Nuffield Australian Scholar. She is the CEO of Nuffield Australia Farming Scholars and the CEO of Nuffield International Farming Scholars. She enjoys working with alumni, investors and key stakeholders to grow the reach and capacity building power of Nuffield. After completing her Nuffield scholarship, researching how to improve public perception of intensive industries, Jodie became actively involved with the Nuffield as the Queensland State Chair. A member of the Programs Committee and Foundation host of the Japan Japan leg of the Group Travel component of the scholarship, the Global Focus Program. This role has been a passion of Jodie's, marrying her ability to speak Japanese with her interest in assisting Japanese farmers to become involved in the Nuffield program. In her current CEO roles, she aspires to give other farmers in many countries the same development opportunities she has received through the Nuffield program. Welcome Jodie and thank you for joining us. Thanks Fiona, it's nice to be here. Jodie, being the CEO of both the Nuffield International and Australia gives you an extensive insight into the organisation. Can you briefly describe for our listeners what is Nuffield? Sure. Uh, We do have difficulty describing it quickly, but I'll have a go. It's, It's a program that awards scholarships to farmers and we're a global program, so we're active in um, about 12 or 14 different countries. So we award scholarships uh, right around the world. Each of us run our own programs. So here we are Nuffield Australia and Nuffield International works as an umbrella organisation, particularly to kick Nuffield off in countries where we don't have a formal scholarship program yet. So with Nuffield International, we're working um, very heavily in the US, Chile, Brazil, Japan and Germany. So uh, the other eight countries that are involved in Nuffield are the UK, Ireland, France, Netherlands, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Did I get to eight? I always miss one. Um, 
So it's a program that we award a bursary to a farmer or someone involved in agribusiness to do 16 weeks of travel and mostly international travel so that we can give our farmers an understanding of the, the big picture issues, the, the broad global issues in agriculture. And it's a, it's a quote that's often used, but really it's about thinking globally and acting locally. So we want our farmers to be able to take those learnings, uh, write a report, but, but more importantly, come back to their farm and their community and add capacity to Australian agriculture um, or, you know, indeed the country that they're from. So here in Australia, we award somewhere between, you know, 18 and 25 scholarships a year. And those scholarships are funded by our investor partners, of which AWI is one. So on the podcast today, we have Sam Unfield from Australian Wool Innovation and a number of recipients of the AWI-supported Nuffield Scholarship. How important are these sponsors to the program? Yeah, without without our sponsors and investors, we, we wouldn't have an organisation. Nuffield actually started with a fellow by the name of Lord Nuffield, and it's a long history, but I think it's an interesting one because we all, well, certainly if you're my generation, you know about the Morris Minor. Mini, the mini car. So the fellow that invented the mini miner was William Morris. For his services to the war effort in the UK, he was awarded the Lordship and became Lord Nuffield. When he died in the 60s, he um, was an active philanthropist and he gave um, a lot of money to a trust that was set up in order to award scholarships to farmers. He came up with that idea because when he was first looking at car manufacturing, he hopped on a boat, went six weeks over to Detroit and went to the Ford factory that Henry Ford had created and learnt firsthand how things were done and took that information back to his own business. So that's essentially the germ from which the Nuffield program has grown in agriculture. The money ran out, so to speak, from the philanthropic trust of the Nuffield organisation in the UK. Uh, but here in Australia, we have done a fantastic job of keeping that program going by attracting sponsors and investors from both our RDCs in different industries and from agribusiness uh, and corporations who are interested in this same goal that we have, which is improving the ability of our farmers and agriculturalists to improve generally Australian agriculture. I love a good bit of history. I didn't know that about Nuffield, so thank you for that. The global pandemic has been devastating worldwide. How has COVID affected the program and what changes have you had to make? I think, yes, there's certainly been a lot of changes, but I often get asked, oh, it must be so difficult. I, I don't see it that way. And I'm not always a glass half full type of person, but we've got so many opportunities from this pandemic. Yes, we can't travel at the moment and we don't know quite when we will get overseas again. We've got some you know, plans in place of what we think is going to happen. But we're a global network and I think the pandemic has shown us how how much value can be gained by picking up the phone or, or getting on a webinar. You know, everyone's used to it these days. We were doing Zoom meetings long before the pandemic, but it was 
actually pretty hard to get some of our farmers uh, to put the video on, for example, um, or you know, to even just get on Zoom at all. So it's been great for that. We're all now so comfortable jumping on and off uh, a webinar. And it means that we can make those connections pretty strongly, even though we're not face-to-face, -face, and we will get face-to-face -face at some stage and our scholars will be able to travel. What we think is going to happen is those scholars having made the connections virtually already with you know, farms and businesses that they want to go and see overseas, once they get there in person, their experience is going to be just that much richer, more valuable, they're going to learn more and more quickly because they will already have a connection with that farm or business that they're going to see. That's a fabulous way of looking at it. I certainly myself have become a lot more IT savvy this year and I think it's made the way we operate more efficient. So I'm glad it's um, not all doom and gloom for Nuffield either. Um, Jody, I've had the privilege of hosting a number of Nuffield scholars at my home from all around the world and they're just the most amazing cohort, cohort sorry, of individuals. When you go through the process of selection, what do you look for in a Nuffield Scholar? It's, it's a little difficult, I must say. It's not like we have a, well, we certainly we have a criteria sheet, but it's not like we're assessing somebody's ability to do a job. It's not an employment interview. So we don't have a list of, you know, have you used, uh, you know, Word, for example, or can you get, find your way around an Excel spreadsheet? It's more about assessing the capacity of the person to grow and benefit from the Nuffield journey. Um, the word journey is probably a little bit overused, but you know we call it a Nuffield journey, and it is it's the it's the journey that's more important than the destination with our Nuffield scholars. So, and I also joke about drinking the Kool Aid. I'm not I'm not sure about that, but it just seems like once you're a Nuffield scholar the possibilities are almost endless. You can talk to any other Nuffield scholar and indeed those people that aren't a scholar but involved in the network and you can get into a very in-depth conversation about your farm and your business and your life very, very quickly. I think that comes from a Nuffield scholar's willingness to share and their understanding because they've seen this multiple times, the understanding that that it is important to give and to share. So we're looking for people with you know, that capacity to grow. We're looking for people that have a passion about what they do and agriculture in general. You know, I was a chook farmer, but I'm not anymore. So, you know, just a passion for ag in general and a curiosity. You, you just don't know what you could learn from something that could be completely out of your wheelhouse. Um, and then those three things together, I think, make up a really good Nuffield Scholar. In a normal year, the program, as we've said, offers a vast array of opportunities for travel, but also personal and professional develop, development. What's expected of a scholar during their program? There's certainly some, you know, set um, items that they tick off. Um, not the least of which being the, the number of weeks that are involved in their travel, that's part of their bursary. So in a normal year, that's 16 weeks, of which about half is set by Nuffield. It's a set program, so a world conference at, at one point in the year, and then a six-week global focus program. 
Um, for 2021, that's going to be a 14-week program, and we are putting more of a spotlight on domestic travel as well. So we're allowing our scholars to travel domestically, whereas normally we'd be always looking outwards and doing international travel. So that's one of the changes. Um, and then, yes, there is a report that's required at the end of the scholarship. But in between, there's there's a lot of flexibility for um, going and just, yeah, being curious and, and finding out information. So there's eight weeks of individual travel that can be anywhere you would like to go, whatever you would like to see. And enough your network helps you find those connections to, to whatever it is that's your interest. Jodie, it's certainly an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing that. Don't go too far away though, because I'm going to ask you to put a different hat on a little bit later in the podcast and talk to us from a perspective of being a Nuffield Scholar yourself. So thank you. I'd now sure. like to welcome to the podcast Sam Arnfield from Australian Wool Innovation. Sam grew up in Adelaide and studied agricultural science at Adelaide University. After graduating in 2014, Sam spent five years in grains research before accepting a role at AWI in Sydney. Sam has spent the last 18 months overseeing the leadership and capacity building portfolios at AWI, seeking to build stronger connections with the best and brightest young wool industry talent. Sam, thanks for joining us today on behalf of Australian Wool Innovation. Thanks so much for having me, Fiona. Good to be here. Sam, how long has AWI been supporting Nuffield Australia? Um, we have been supporting Nuffield Scholars uh, for Australia since around 2005. It's a big commitment from AWI over so many years that they've been involved. Why does AWI feel that it's important? I guess it, 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 to put it into context, it's, it's part of our greater uh, capacity building effort and, and we think it's really important to nurture and encourage um, and develop people that, that are already in our industry. Um, a big part of that is, is because we're, we're competing with other industries for, for talent, for staff, for people who are interested um, in wool, but it's also really important to, to nurture and hone um, the incredible people that we have in our industry already. And, and I guess to put it into, into some, some context, the, the Nuffield Scholarships for us sit right at the, the pinnacle of our development pathway. So we spend a lot of time in schools and in universities trying to um, rouse up uh, interest in, in the wool industry. And, and as people make their way through uni and, and early in their careers, we have programs like Breathing Leadership um, and, and other support programs to encourage people to upskill um, and, and to contribute uh, more meaningfully to the industry. And, and I guess the, the Nuffield really sits uh, at the pinnacle for us and, and it's really important for us to have um, farmers with some worldly experiences um, giving back uh, to their community as well. As, as you said, it's, it is a significant investment um, but it's really important that we have people in our industry um, who are, you know, pinnacles and beacons in their own community but um, it, it will be fantastic for them to, to learn and grow and, and, and give back. So Nuffield comes under your portfolio at AWI. How have you been involved in the actual Nuffield program on a day-to-day -day basis? What's your role? So 
So my role, um, a significant part of my role um, this year has been on the uh, selection committee um, for the national interviews. That's a, a really fantastic process by which um, sponsors along with uh, Nuffield uh, alumni uh, basically interview prospective scholars and, and work out who is going to, um, you know, stand to benefit the most from an opportunity like a Nuffield scholarship. Um, I found that a, a really, really fascinating process. It's a wonderful insight into uh, the, the mechanics of the how and the why um, of, of Nuffield and, and it really gave me a good understanding of, um, you know, who and, and, and why the industry stands to benefit. Um, I've also been lucky enough to attend a Nuffield conference um, in Brisbane a couple of years ago, which was, which was pretty remarkable. I was, I was quite taken by the, uh, the diversity of, of people, but also the incredible acuity and, and intelligence of and passion of the, the Nuffield scholars, um, contemporary and, and some um, some older scholars as well, that there's an incredible passion and a camaraderie amongst um, Nuffield scholars from all around the country. I, I was quite taken by that and it sort of, um, yeah, really piqued my interest, um, perhaps a few years down the line. <laughs> You've sort of already answered my next question. I really wanted to ask you, well, you know, I've never come across a boring Nuffield scholar at a conference or even in my home. They're just such motivated and passionate group of people, as you've said. How rewarding have you found your interactions over the last 18 months with them? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, probably from a from a selfish point of view, the, the, the people that I've met uh, and the passion that they have for their various industries has been quite amazing. Um, as a bit of an ag nerd myself, I find it really exciting to to meet people from all walks of life um, doing incredible things in their in their various industries and and just the drive and 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 the keenness with which people talk about um, friends that they've made um, through Nuffield and and also the things that they've learned and the places they've gone. Um, hearing and and witnessing so much passion in, in one room has been been quite remarkable and and have also made some fairly um, fairly powerful connections as well as along the way, which is, I guess, what a, what a network is all about. Well, it's fabulous that it's so beneficial, benefit, beneficial, not just for the scholars, but also for the sponsors. Sam, if you had to pick just one, what would your highlight be? Oh, that's a really hard one. I've act I actually really enjoyed the judging process. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. I now think it might be time that we interviewed a couple of these scholars and find out what they're up to. So thank you very much, Sam. My pleasure. I'd now like to invite to the podcast a first of our scholars I'd like to interview. And I'm going to start with Andrew Rolfe, who's um, the AWI's 2021 scholar. So Andrew won't have been out and about too much just yet, but it'd be really interesting, I think, for all of us to find out what he's up to. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Fiona. Thanks for having me. Andrew, can you give me, well, give our listeners just a little bit of background about yourself and tell us a little bit about your farm? So I'm down on the Monaro, um, so two hours south of Canberra. We're self-replacing Merino block, uh, about 5,600 Merino ewes. Um, and so I get a bit of a background in ag science and agronomy, and I do a little bit of agronomy consulting on the side. 
And through that, what issues have you found that are facing our industry? So a few um, it's, it's, um, interesting sort of, of bit of a story about how I sort of came to where, where I'm up to with all the Nuffield and everything sort of going forward on our farm and bit of direction in my life. So we're just coming out of a three-year drought here and um, it's we sort of had to intensify our operation here to um, to sort of get through and to, to make make things happen. Um, so from that, what I could see though is um, that merino industry is some really good operators and people are doing these things all around. But my sort of wondering was, what if we did all that together? What if we did the um, containment feeding? What if we did the conditions for? What if we did like the EID or captured all the data and what we could actually squeeze out of a farm and, and what in terms of actually make this more sustainable, more profitable and um, going forward, um, give us some more opportunities to, to do a few other things. So would you say that the drought helped lead you to apply for a Nuffield Scholar or there, are there other things that made you focus in this area? Yeah, so it definitely pushed me. Um, I thought like we had a lot, a lot of learning out of that initially and then um, like being involved actually um, with the sheep and FBN, the Pat sort of gave me that little extra push to, to apply. But um, I, like I've always sort of been um, <laughs> someone who's got a curious mind and um, not a quenchable first of knowledge. So um, seeing and in, in, from university time knew that Nuffield was sort of like the like these are the people who are just always looking and always very knowledgeable and um, I wanted to sort of be a part of that. So I thought well, I'll have a crack at this and um, can only, wouldn't hurt to try, have a go. Oh, absolutely. You're only human. It's a great organisation. <laughs> um, Andrew, tell us a bit about your project. What are you well, going to do? Uh, so I sort of mentioned before, I'm, I'm looking about the intensification of the Merino um, production system. Uh, so obviously intensification is an interesting word in terms of agriculture, but um, like I feel like land values are only going up. Um, so the, the ability for farms to expand is um, it's harder in terms of increasing land size. So what about if we intensify? And the sheep industry is one of those things that hasn't done that much of that in the last, but it's starting to happen more and more, especially with the meat side of things. And the thought, well, what if we apply the same rule to the wool industry? So there's so much things that can be learned from our brothers in the dairy, cropping, meat, sheep meat, all that sort of stuff. And I'm really mindful that your plans are changing possibly each week at the moment, but what are your plans with how you're going to go about completing your Nuffield project? Um, like you said, it's sort of, um, sort of it's a little fairly liquid at the minute, um, but I sort of hope, well, obviously there's a little bit of a ray of sunshine with these um, sort of vaccines look like they're going to be fairly effective, so they might be able to give us the ability to travel. So hopefully, um, I think Jody was saying before that we will be able to have, um, we've got to all meet up in Canberra in March, um, with our 2021 scholars, which would be great to meet them in person. So we've been able to talk online so far, which has been so enlightening and some amazing people I can't wait to get in there and have a little bit chat to them um but so I sort of hope to really get into my individual study by the end of next in the next year maybe early early 2022 um but it depends <laughs> like I say it's very liquid <laughs> with how it all comes together yes yeah, so it definitely is um 
life at the moment, isn't it? As part of those plans, I'd really like to ask you, do you have any real targeted professional development planned in? Uh, so uh, I think like my sort of goal, to, well, what I want to try and get out of it, obviously, is to go and see these other industries, but there's some people in particular I like to go and visit, say, someone like Derek Moot, who's um, like a Luton expert in New Zealand, who I think has got a lot to, to, he's already given a lot to the sheep industry, but also I personally would really like to get a lot out of that. Um, but just being able to build that network in the world, like there's some amazing people doing amazing stuff in ag or even that sort of other relevant industries. I, I just think getting in, see how those good operators are doing it and get some inspiration and passion from that, I reckon what it's all about. Absolutely. Andrew, um, as you start to travel or, you know, you've been online virtually trying to do some of the work and research so far, and it might be too early days to ask you this question, but with so much exposure to agriculture across the world, have you found that your topic or your outlook's already starting to change and develop from what you set out to do in the beginning? Um, absolutely. So I've only sort of been going at it for a couple of months, but even like from the when we were doing the interview, we had an interview dinner um, in the New South, and I, from then I already started to, to sort of um, sort of guide, going, well, there's there's other avenues I can look at, like and sort of looking, hearing what other people would apply to do for their topics, like so. Um, and then we've actually been um, joining um, organised sort of virtual tour there um, last week with um, some Kenyan farmers, which was fantastic, and. So even that sort of these like little bits and pieces have already had a crack at it. It's really changed my perspective already and um just sort of yearning for more. Andrew, Australian agriculture has an excellent structured and funded R&D programs across our whole sector. With international travel a challenge at the moment and in the foreseeable future, have you thought at all about refocusing some of your efforts here at home in Australia? And if you have, have you found out anything interesting so far that you weren't aware of? Ah, uh, so that's a very good question. So I, I'm... As Jody was mentioning before, we're sort of going to be able to do a little more Australian stuff. And so Australia is very good in the ag space and their extension network's huge, but also there's some great producers to learn from. So um, possibly, yeah, look to restructure my study um, program to maybe look at some of those big uh, operators that are really doing the good stuff well already um, to try and bring back to at least the wool industry and, um, and, and my local area as well. Um, I guess we're we're all innovating and looking outside the box more than we've ever done so before with the pandemic at the moment. So have you thought about looking to other industries to see what they're doing really well and if there's something that we could learn from from that? 100%. So that was my biggest thing. I think it's like that there's other industries such as the dairy industry who are like obviously they've had their challenges um, with markets and all that, but they're amazing with it's like animal nutrition or like it's like the precision ag sort of stuff in the in the cropping industry that I really like to take see take those pick the eyes out of all those like people doing the innovation doing it really well and see what's relevant to bring back to the wool sheep and wool industry I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there and um, some uh, momentum that we can be gathered 
Thanks, Andrew. And one last question just for now. You mentioned just before that the producer advisory panel really helped push you to apply for a Nuffield. Um, how important is it to be a member of the PAP? It's fantastic. Um, so it's been important for me because it's sort of given me that presence that I, like I feel like I can contribute a, a bit back to the industry that's already given me so much. Um, but also it's um, being involved, like the group that we've got on the path already is, like every time we sort of have, a, have an online meeting, I haven't even got to meet everyone face to face yet, but it's just being inspiring and it's a bit like the Nuffield stuff. It just gives you a bit of push and a bit of drive to hear what everyone's doing and it's great to hear what's the rest of the areas to but also meant that like so um running a winning ran a winning with weenus workshop here a couple of weeks ago which was fantastic but um i wouldn't have been like I, we wouldn't have sort of got it to happen if like i hadn't been involved which was um and to be sort of help with megan to get that sorted was great i can really feel like i can contribute well, we certainly value you being a member of our PAP, so I'm really pleased that you're enjoying the process. Well, don't go too far away, Andrew, because I've got a few more questions with you later when I bring all of our scholars together. But thank you very much for the information you've shared with us so far. Thanks, Fiona. So I'd like to invite next to our podcast, Tom Hook who's just in front of Andrew and is the 2020 AWI Scholar. So welcome, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tom, I'd like to find out a little bit about your background and where you're farming and what your enterprise looks like. So, um, yeah, I'm part of a family enterprise and we're based uh, just south of Hay, New South Wales, on what I would describe as probably the start of pastoral country. Um, so we're running a purely merino flock with um, some Angus cattle as well, um, commercial and stud operation. And um, just as part of a background, um, grew up central Victoria but moved into this area later and um, also had about three years experience working with MLA in their uh, sheep genetics program. Tom, we just heard from Andrew about the issues facing the industry from where he lives. Um, are the issues do you feel facing the sheep industry um, different from your location? Oh, a lot of it's very similar and I often just think it's, and it's something that's never changing, I think, but it's just about building resilience. We see it, we see it in the drought, um, we're out of that, but then we have COVID um, the, the challenges are ever-changing, but at the end of the day, there's always the, the constant is that there is a challenge. So uh, for me, it's just about building resilience um, within our businesses um, and our practices. And another, you know, huge emerging one is for me is um, our wool market and um, the security of our wool market and what we can do to impact um, the the viability of that going forward at a farm level. And what got you interested in Nuffield and led you to be motivated to apply for a scholarship? Uh, well, largely I was just fortunate to meet a lot of Nuffield scholars um, within my previous role at MLA. Um, there was yeah people like Lintanani in South Australia, um, Jamie and Aphid Heinrich on Kangaroo Island. Um, Andrew Buffler from Lockhart, 
there's all these people I was fortunate to meet and there was um, one thing in common is that they were all Nuffield scholars and they were, they're all very inspiring people and, and people who really think outside the, the box and uh, were trailblazers in um, their different parts of the industry and just seeing what they did um, was very motivating and it, it's, it's just too easy, I think, um, to not leave the farm so and to, in a way, halt the learning. So an opportunity like Nuffield was just, just seemed too good to be true um, to really get out there and broaden the horizons. That was really nicely put. I think their enthusiasm certainly is infectious. Um, Tom, could you tell us a little bit about your project? So the the focus of my study is um, looking at improved grazing management strategies um, within the pastoral zone. So really going back to building resilience, um, the aim is to is to boost the amount of grass we can grow per millimetre rainfall and not to waste um, one bit of it. So right now already we're out and about looking in the in the paddocks at what kind of summer grasses we've got going on um, with every little bit of rainfall we get at the moment. Um, so and one one major area, one common um, topic at the moment is regenerative agriculture and seeing if we can cherry pick some of the principles out of that to apply into this into this um, this kind of system. And although you were awarded your scholarship a year before Andrew, I'm assuming you haven't been able to get off the ground and do a great deal of travel um, well abroad, but most of our state borders have been closed too. So how are your plans looking for how your project's going to roll out? Um, well, I'm, I'm a long way in front of Andrew um, in terms of learnings and uh, what I've gained from Nuffield already. That's, I know we haven't we haven't got off the ground. We're we're still in the country, but I don't think I've been to a I don't think I've been to a barbecue, a social function, anything without uh, there being a conversation around Nuffield. You know, with the with things like this podcast and the news articles that have been out there, the amount of people that have read it um, have already got something to say about my topic. And the amount of conversations I've been a part of and learned from other people already just because the it's all started to roll. It's um it's been amazing and I've already been fortunate to meet and spend time with the other scholars um from across the world. We did actually have a, a meeting up in Queensland just as COVID hit. And just rubbing shoulders with all those people has been amazing and the the learning has, has really taken off and I know there's a there's a hell of a lot more to come. It's interesting that you've put the slant on that, and Jody did as well when during her interview just a little bit earlier on there. That you almost seem to be better placed than part scholars, if I'm allowed to say that, before you travel, because COVID has forced you into having this wonderful ability to get your network off the ground and do so much groundwork and planning before you leave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's nothing wrong with a bit of time to uh, just sit down and think. And, you know, the the other scholars are on the phone to a few of them every, every couple of weeks or every few days even um, talking about different things. And, and as I said, the people who are outside the... Um, outside the Nuffield network, but equally as um, interested in 
certain topics, being able to talk to them and have all these conversations has definitely helped um, help guide what I want to do when I do get to travel. I asked Andrew a question along the similar lines of this. Because, because the international travel's off the cards for the moment, um, we re, you can really start to refocus on the wonderful um, research and development that we already have here in Australia. As you've been doing your planning and your research, have you found out any interesting things from here that you weren't aware of to start with? Largely just the, the amount of interest there already is. Um, I'd, I'd had a perception that this topic was always focused in the high rainfall areas. It was often focused on cattle, not sheep. And wanting to get into this pastoral zone, I thought there was a huge black hole. But the more people I talk to, there is, there's a huge amount of knowledge out there. And... Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to start to tap into it, which is great. And um, and from that, just making more and more connections. And have you found that other industries are doing interesting things that you're able to learn from and apply to your projects? Yeah, it's, it's more about um, just how you approach things, I guess. And that's part of the, um, the want to go overseas. But... Even um, I was chatting to my father-in-law who's in the construction industry in Sydney. There's things within how they run their business that I think we could learn from and we are learning from. Um, it sounds boring, but getting into areas like audit and risk um, and as we move further into areas of corporate agriculture just and consumer perceptions, I can, I can kind of go on forever, but... There's so many areas where I think we can really sharpen up and, and um, get better at with, as far as we go um, as an industry. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. And Tom, you're also, as I said in my introduction, one of our valued um, producer advisory panel members. Can I just ask you to give our listeners a little bit of insight and to your time on the panel and what's been important to you? It's really just been that ability to turn up and have a voice. Um, it's very easy to read a news article or look at a situation and be frustrated. Um, and you can either sit there and be frustrated or, or turn up and have a voice. And being able to literally sit in the AWI office and have input and then see, as Andrew said, see certain workshops roll out in your area um, has been fantastic. So it's yeah, it's been really empowering just to be to be a part of the process and to have an input. Wonderful. Thanks, Tom. Don't go too far away because I have a few more questions for you. I'm just going to swap over now and we're going to have a little chat to Rob Kelly about his Nuffield experience and then I've got a few more questions for you. So I'd now like to welcome to the podcast Rob Kelly, who is the owner-manager of Mount William Agriculture in the New England of New South Wales. Rob runs a self-replacing merino flock of 1,500 ewes and trade cattle from anywhere between 500 and 1,000 cattle per year. He recently moved into trading sheep on the back of the drought and has a separate holding where he runs 1,500 to 4,000 sheep per year. Rob is also 
was also the 2006 AWI Nuffield Scholar. His topic looked at production versus marketing and where should the wool producer focus. He did extensive travel back in 2006 through China and Italy to look at the marketing of wool and then went to North and South America, New Zealand, Great Britain, Ireland and Canada to look at grazing systems to help improve farm productivity. Welcome, Rob, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's, it's uh, great to be here. I hope you would agree that a Nuffield Scholarship is designed the way I look at it, to enrich both personal and professional development and also give you a skill set to take back to help industry. On a Looking at a personal level first, what do you feel you've gained after completing your Nuffield Scholarship? Um, personal, personal development was um, huge. Um, it's just allowed me to get out of my comfort zone, um, allowed me to take on leading roles within the industry and given me the confidence moving forward that I can um, use my the information that I've gained to help constituents in our industry and, and drive our industry forward. Did the focus, it, you, my interview with you is quite reflective compared to Tom and Andrew who are still going through, as Jody put it, the journey of the Nuffield experience. Did the focus of your business change at all as a result of what you learnt during your scholarship? Um, it it did change. It did change a little bit, um, and it helped me helped me focus on on what was going on with with my business rather than worrying about outside influences on my business. So, for instance, it's quite easy for us to say, well. Um, at the minute, China, you know, the wool market's going up and down. Italy aren't allowed to buy. Europe aren't allowed to buy or not processing because of COVID restrictions. And we can say, well, only if the wool, wool price was good, well, we'd be in a far better situation. Um, I've focused now on my own business, how I can improve my own business without shedding the risk um, or blaming others. Um, I need to take ownership of what I've been in control of. So in, in some regards, I um, changed my business structure a little bit. We used to have a Hereford breeding business and I just felt I wasn't getting the best out of it. I wasn't doing the best for it or the best for myself. So um, it was sold. I moved into more sheep and started trading cattle. It, and it's not just all about the personal level and how your business has changed either, though that's obviously one of the extraordinary benefits of the Nuffield journey. With all the support that you receive from industry, how important is it to then give back that knowledge to industry? Um, very important. Uh, the industry supported me right through this. I had a bursary to um, to go and do these travels and to come back at it. It was to be accepted and to be given a Nuffield um, scholarship by AWI was both an honour and a privilege. And the least I can do is try and pass that information back to other people. So AWI is supported by levy payers and some might say it's a lot of money going to just one person. Would you say it's value for money for AWI to continue to support these projects? Uh, it's huge value for money. As I mentioned before, it was a privilege and honour to receive the scholarship, not only from Nuffield, but from AWI. And the, the um, bursary was only a drop in the ocean to how my business and myself has been able to develop since. Um, 
it's helped me better understand the whole pipeline of our wool industry from, from what AWI do with their feet on the ground, the processors and consumers. And the hard work that he's put in behind, behind the scenes by, by all involved in the industry to help the wool industry move forward. And for those of you who don't know, Rob's actually my husband. Rob, one of the most amazing outcomes of watching you do an Uffield scholarship has been the friendships that you've made and the networks that you've established over the years. How important has this been? Well, it's been nearly 15 years on. Uh, it's massive. Um, the Nuffield Scholars have such a positive mindset. And once you've been at a meeting or a conference with all the Nuffield Scholars, or even, even when they've met on farm and, and had a tour on your farm and you get into chatting, um, you're just fully energised. And it, once you, it leaves you craving and wanting more to help further develop yourself and improve. The network, it just allows me still to, to grow my business now. I can lean on everyone involved within, within an Uffield if I'm having an issue, if I'm having a problem, if I'd like to do something different, I can ring up anyone within the network and get some information on how to improve what I'm looking at doing currently at the time. Uh, lifelong friends, I can turn to anyone within the Nuffield and discuss anything that I, I wish to with them. We've spoken about how important it is to give back to industry because you know, they're sponsoring you to bring this information home to help the whole of the sheep industry, not just you personally. Since completing your Nuffield, you've been involved in many industry roles. Would you say that Nuffield's opened these doors for you? Oh, it definitely has. It's, it, it, it certainly has. Um, and, and more to that, it's made me more confident and wanting to apply for these positions, to take on leadership's roles, to, to move, help move our industry, help industry, uh, help move our industry forward. Um, and, and look, the, the Nuffield, once you mentioned the Nuffield brand, the Nuffield word is a prick right across the globe. So if you go across the globe anywhere and you mention Nuffield, generally you're welcomed with open arms. And Rob, you used to be the chair of the New South Wales, Sheep Connect New South Wales PAP, and you're now just a PAP member for us. How important those two, how important have those two roles been for you? Uh, hugely. It's both, de again, development for myself and development for the industry. Uh, with the new restructure of, um, of the Sheep Connect and being on the PAP and seeing the the three major flagship workshops being rolled out and how positive they've been taking taken on board is is huge. It, it it really really makes you feel proud of what's what's going on and wanting to give back to the industry um, to help drive the industry forward, which has given so much to me in the past. Um, just I've got a real passion for the wool industry, and being involved helps helps pass that on to other people. And lastly, Rob, before I invite the other scholars back to the podcast, what recommendations or words of wisdom would you give Tom and Andrew as they're beginning their Nuffield journey? Uh, all Nuffield scholars, past and present, have very open ears, um, very, very open with information. Use any, any scholars at any time to help in your travels and in your personal development 
also your study. Um, and the last last place I'd give is when you leave the farm, know your farm's in safe hands, and which will allow you to focus on your travels once you're away. Um, if you're focusing too much on what's happening on on land on when you've left, you lose sight of what you're actually setting out to achieve, which is improving your own business and the business of the industry. Great, thanks, Rob. I'd now like to invite Jody, Andrew, and Tom to um, back to the podcast, and I'm going to ask all of the scholars a few quick questions just before we finish up for the podcast. So my first question to you all is, and I'll start with Jody, has been if you had to choose one, what's been the highlight of your Nuffield journey? That is such a hard question, Fiona. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd reiterate something that, that, that all the scholars have said so far, which is just that immediate injection of energy and enthusiasm you get when you are in a, uh, a conversation with, with a Nuffielder. So either, you know, one-on-one -on -one or at a conference or at a regional tour or, you know, a farm farm tour or something. It is, it doesn't matter how long it's been since you go to a Nuffield event or meet a Nuffield scholar, when you do again, you go, wow, this is great. It's that, you know, constant shot in the arm that just gives you confidence, as, as Rob just said, um, confidence in yourself and your ability, but also the enthusiasm to do great things. Um, you know, and I think I'm, <laughs> I'm a case in point. I was a chicken farmer. I did my Nuffield scholarship um, in 2013 and, and now I'm CEO of Nuffield Australia and Nuffield International. Who would have thought? But it's just, you know, people believed in me and I guess I believed in myself in the end and had a red hot go. Here we are. Yeah, you certainly, Jodie, have the most amazing Nuffield story I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, Rob. Your turn. What is your highlight of your Nuffield journey? Uh, once again, there's there were so many of them that it's very hard to pick. Um, but but I would say within within the industry, it it made me open my eyes and realise that everyone within any stage of the processing of the wool industry is invested in it, and that to think that we want to blame them for not giving us enough money for the wool, the consumers should be paying more. We're all in this together and we're all in it together and we've got to work out a plan forward to get the best out of the industry. Um, on, a, on another level, you know, the old saying, um, we're a small fish in a big pond. Well, travelling overseas and doing the scholarship made me realise that I wasn't just a small fish in a big pond. I was a small, small fish in the biggest ocean in the world. And how we can get people together and work with each other was incredible. Thanks, Rob. Andrew, what's been the highlight of your Nuffield journey? Oh, it's that enthusiasm. Um, like, oh, it's really given me like that. Like, I've only been doing it for a couple of months, and oh my God, it's a little fire on my arm. <laughs> um, just to learn, and um, so like we've got this like WhatsApp group, the ones we've got going, just the the, the chat and the banter already happening between us all. Um, I, yeah, I'm just so excited to get out there and meet everybody and just um, just keep going and keep learning and give it back. It'd be great. Thanks, Andrew. And Tom? Um, oh, I've definitely got a feeling that uh, the best is yet to come, but uh, 
what I'm, I guess one thing I hadn't really thought about while applying was that it's going to, the, the level at which it will keep going and keep giving back, um, one thing I'm really looking forward to is maybe in two years' time, maybe in two months, but is that there might there may be say a Canadian Nuffield scholar turn up at my door and I can I can chuck them in the Ute and go for a drive and and show them what we're doing. So I'm I'm just really looking forward to that ongoing um, part of the whole Nuffield organisation and and being able to give back and and continually learn from different people. I think, Tom, I can guarantee there will be a Canadian Nuffielder knocking on your door because there was a few years there I thought our door was revolving. It was so much fun and we just got so many visitors from the Nuffield alumni from across the world visiting and it's it's endless what you can learn from them all. Part of what I love about Nuffield is that you're not limited to your topic. You're exposed to agriculture as a whole and not just agriculture in Australia, but agriculture across the world. So my next question to you guys is, what was the best learning experience for each of you that wasn't related to your topic? Jody? Thanks, Fiona. I think it was, it, it was realising that, um, yeah, agriculture is all connected but also that even wider than agriculture, business is all connected. So that you could learn, every business is, is based on its people and the development of the people is what makes a good business. And you can learn that from any sort of business, either you know inside or outside agriculture. Um, but I can remember standing on a cherry farm in, in um, Idaho on my GFP, you know, knew nothing about cherries except they taste absolutely delicious and they were the best cherries I've ever had. Being a Queenslander, we never get good cherries. Um, and But then he was talking about his staffing roster and that was something that I, you know, was able to take home and, you know, share with my husband Wayne and use on our farm to improve how we were working with our staff that was nothing to do with chickens and didn't have to be from chickens. So, it, you know, there's there's plenty of memories like that, but just amazing agriculture that I've seen and then, yeah, things you can bring home to your own business. Mm, and that stay with you, no doubt, then for quite some time. Rob, what about you? What's your best learning experience that hasn't been related to sheep? Well, um, I think Jodie will even like this one. Um, I happened to be in Canada doing some study over there and I ran into a guy that... Um, worked in one of the major turkey farms there and I was astounded that um, their level of genetic improvements because I was looking at genetics and how we can improve it within our industry um, the level of genetic improvement that they were seeking was 0.45 of a kilo so nearly half a kilo of breast meat per bird per year and I was just astounded by that and I put that in my Nuffield report uh, when my Nuffield report um, was pre, pre, um, or was given the, the look over. I got, I got information back. Um, can you please check your figures? And one of those figures was that was underlined and said this has to be incorrect. And um, I then wrote back and just said, well, it's there because it's so correct, and no one would believe it. So that was just huge for me to see that level of genetic gain. And Andrew, what about you? 
um, like I said, I've only been in it for a little bit. Um, but even at our interview dinner, we had um, what a previous um, scholar speak, Sarah Silver, I think she was, um, and she spoke about a book that she actually read called The Lean Farm. So I dove down this rabbit hole, this uh, lean farm, which was talking about like um, leaning up the farm business, but coming from the background of Toyota. Um, so in like had sort of started to apply a few of those lessons already, but it was um, amazing just just like picked up this little nugget to um, just drop the name of this book and then um, just dive into it. It's starting to shape how we're going forward with a few of our operations um, here at home. Great, thanks Andrew. And Tom? Yeah, one that um, jumps up is at the um, Contemporary Scholars Conference early last year, I was sitting down chatting to a Dutch dairy farmer about um, managing your staff on farm and how to get the most out of them. And they had some really unique ways of, of setting the agenda where each each member of um, the staff would be essentially deciding on their own workload or which jobs they would do and between them they'd be working out who does what um, rather than dictating what everyone does for the day. Um, flip that over to last week, we're in a webinar um, with a Kenyan farmer who has 70 employees and then two days later another Kenyan farmer who has four and manages a completely different. Um, so yeah, largely looking at yeah, those staff management things and all the different ways you can actually approach it. Thanks, Tom. My next question's for Andrew and Tom. Guys, farmers bring such a different perspective to the table. How valuable have you found farmer to farmer or peer to peer learning? Start with you, Andrew. Ah, uh, huge. So, like, we, we're sort of riding on the the others like with like the way our industry is now so um, we've got a fantastic farming systems group here in the Monaro so for example even just last Friday Friday night I just sat down with um Richie Taylor actually who's one of the sort of bigger farmers around um pass, passing down of like um of knowledge from older farmers or older generations is huge they've got so much to give um and so much to learn from I think um but also I think people like they'll they'll take other farms will probably take information better coming from someone who's actually got skin in the game and doing it themselves. Um, so I think that's quite important in the extension side of things as well. Uh, so yeah, myself I've got a lot out of it, but I think going forward um, with um, moving information, it's definitely one of those things you can see another cock you having a crack at it. You're probably more likely to do it yourself. Yeah, so true, Andrew. How about you, Tom? I think farmer to farmer learning is is everything. I was at a um, tactical grazing workshop a couple of weeks ago, and you know there's always the the expert or the facilitator at the front of the room talking, but it's it's quite often it's when you're having that cup of tea that you you really learn how to execute those things and and build confidence in actually having a go at these things. When you when you can chat to another farmer about how they've done it. Um, how you might be able to do it. There's, there's yeah, so much more to uh, to gain. That's yeah, certainly a scenario you see very regularly. My next questions um, and my last question actually is for Jody and Rob. What is one way your outlooks changed after completing your scholarship? So this can either be professionally or personally. I'll go with you first, Jody. 
Thanks, Fiona. I think I came back with a much broader understanding of, of agriculture than just the chicken industry. And being in chickens for so long, I guess I had the, the perception that our industry was different to others. You know, it's quite, it's very vertically integrated, very intensive. Yes, very good genetic gains, Rob, that is a good story. Um, but I came back understanding that we were very similar in, uh, you know, yes, maybe more intensive, but certainly very similar in a lot of ways to how other um, ag industries worked. So there was a lot to learn from other industries, but there was also a lot that we could do to improve our industry by looking outside it. And I also had the opinion that we were we were quite sheltered and we'd allowed ourselves as chicken farmers to be quite sheltered for a long time and we needed to change that and yeah become become more curious and and uh, learn from outside our own industry to improve the chicken industry. Thanks Jody and Rob how about you one way either personally or professionally that your outlook changed after completing your scholarship? Being an, being an owner manager, um, I held my reins tightly and if anything was going wrong, it was always someone else, not me, that was causing the problem even on my farm. So letting go of the reins was a very difficult thing. Being able to, the time that I spent away travelling, which was over, over, over a four-year period, um, I soon learnt that whatever state, uh, whatever state the farm was in when I left, it was going to be the same when I got back. If it was in a good way or if it was going to be up to putty when I left, it was still going to be like that when I got back. No one was going to make it go bad when I was there. It was it was just going to be um, a few things need to be fixed. So it meant that now I'm, as soon as I go out, drive out the front gate now on a holiday with my family or anyone else, um, I have a relieving sigh knowing that the farm's in safe hands while I'm away. I'm now not thinking about the farm when I'm on holidays and I now don't think of the farm until I get back on the holidays when I'm back through the front gate. So I can now relax when I'm away, knowing that it's all going to be there when I get back. Great. Thanks, Rob. Jody, Sam, Rob, Andrew and Tom, thank you so much for joining me on It's Time For You. I've been looking forward to getting you all together for a chat for a while now and what a wonderful insight you've given me and our listeners. Thank you. No worries. Thank you very Thanks much, Fiona. Thank you. Thanks, Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.